no one knows who the cameraman is. That's the that's the guy in the back who's dressed in black, who got on short pants and, and got hair coming out of his ears. And I no longer wanted to be that guy because that's not who I am. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But as the market started shifting and everyone kind of started getting cameras, you know, everyone was a cameraman. So I had to move out of that and become content developer. Then now everyone's a content creator. So I'm no longer that. So now mm. I'm a producer of hybrid events. And so I have to keep changing the title because once the title becomes popular, yes, the value goes down. Welcome to the Smartest Podcast, a show that is dedicated to helping you achieve success. I'm your host, John Colderize Lawson, entrepreneur and best-selling author. In this episode, you will hear from one of the most successful people in the world. So get ready to improve yourself by learning from those who have already found success. What's up, guys? It's your boy, John. Of course, this is the smartest podcast. This is definitely one of the smartest brothers I've ever met, even though he is an absolute clown he wants to be. My buddy, Troy Knowles, is in the house. What's up, Troy? Hey, man, I'm just looking for the smartest brother that you know. So oh, I'm just happy to be okay. in that, that, that percentile. You're, you're all around. You're like, who's he talking about? If I'm, I'm close to the top, I, I'll be that. Ah, yeah, you know, um, but I figured, look, we're on. I have to have you on the podcast. So Amen. I had you already scheduled. I'm like, I'm just going to throw you on the podcast now. <laughs> look, man, I'll start off by telling people how we met. We met online. We met online. Yeah. You just reached out to me one day and, hey, saw your profile. What's up? <laughs> like a dating site. <laughs> I mean, years and years ago at this point. Yeah. You know, I can't even remember how long. At least ugh, that it's been. You know, a long it's like time. when everything before like two, 2020, man, you got to throw like two or three years, four years on it, man. It's just like it used to be before 9 11, after 9 11. Now it's prior to, you know, 2020 pandemic, post pandemic. Ah. Uh, well, that's a good place to start then. I mean, like kind of how, how you really didn't slow down a whole, whole lot during lockdown. I mean, how you were out of the house, like pretty quick. <laughs> I was outside. <laughs> yeah. Right. I, I was outside, man. It was, um, I remember your first trip out of the house during the pandemic is when you came to Dallas and, and we had the unfortunate opportunity to see you. It wasn't for like, um, <clears throat> the best of conditions, but I did get yeah. to see you. And then I got my, um, like my travel receipt thing from Southwest. I took 37 flights in, um, uh, 2021. 2021. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But well, what'd you so, do in 2020? Did had you been I was before? moving? I think I was moving in 2020. You know, okay. You know, my first trip was the, you know, my last trip of the pandemic was March 3rd. And the uh. pandemic, I think, started like March 8th. No, it was March 8th. I think the the pandemic started about March 15th. And uh, yeah. but my business went to zero. Yes. And so so yes, I was sitting still for a little bit, but 
it just seems so long ago. You know what I'm saying? I'm trying to recreate 2020 in my head and I just can't do it. Yeah. It, uh, I don't know what it is. There's something about, I'm, I'm realizing that uh, uh, we as humans, it's just, that was so abnormal. Yeah. That uh, I can't place it. And a lot of things, like you said, when we were just talking, it's like, you got to add two years on it because you don't really, you kind of almost, we want to forget it. I don't, it's weird. Time-wise, I want to forget it. Well, let me ask you, when, when did we travel together and spend eight days doing that documentary, me, you, and D-Walk uh, in Las Vegas and uh, San Diego? That ha- that was 2019. Okay. So it felt, it felt like five years ago or seven right. years ago when right. it was really... The, the year before the year before and you know we took a lot for granted <clears throat> and oh my uh, gosh you know it's um it's it's a weird time for me right now because this year kind of ran by 2022 is almost over we're in the fourth yeah. quarter um and it's, it's almost over and um i just feel like the way 2020 made me feel is it it, it made me feel like i took too much for granted i took revenue uh, for for granted, uh, I took friendships. You know, not with you because every one thing I like about you and I, and our relationship is every time we're in the same city at the same time, and it's happened a lot. We've been not in our own cities, but we show up in Las Vegas at the same time. We show up in LA at the same time. I've gone out of my way and so have you to make sure that we we see each other. Right. But there are others um, who. You know, I say I'll catch them next time and next time didn't come, whether, mm. you know, just condition wise, they passed away, um, what what have you. And I'm not taking anything um, for granted at this point. I'm, I'm living in the moment, enjoying the moment and knowing that, um, you know, one left turn, this thing can all go away. And, and most times it has nothing to do with my decisions or actions. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not something you can control other than. Being present. Yes. Being present. You know, and I look back cool. to the pandemic and I remember one thing I remember most about the pandemic was how involved you were with um, trying to get to the truth and, and, and telling people. Can <laughs> it's <you>? ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was ridiculous. It's like, I, that's one of those things that again, I need to go back through and pick it out and pick out the good points because I was so early and people were acting like I was Kanye crazy. Now you were on man. You 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 were definitely on it. That's so sad. It's it's insane. I'm like, man, y'all think it's coming. I'm like, it's coming. We about to shut this country down. Everybody's like, bro, you are absolutely insane. You know, and it did come. That is funny. Well, (laughs) I was watching a video not long ago. And we talked about you and what you lost in the pandemic and what you gained in the pandemic. And I would really like to hear what you feel like now oh, you lost and what you gained. Oh, am I? You're supposed to be interviewing. Yeah, me. I'm about to say this is that's exactly what I was My about bad. to say. My but bad. that's OK. That's OK. I'll, I'll give you some deference because it's a great question that you're going to answer as well. So I think what I lost in the pandemic was um, a path that I was on, right? And so the path I was on was this, you know, international keynote speaking, 
you know, and, and everything was being set up. Even the project we did together was for that. And that evaporated, you know, and the weird thing is it's like in those two years, I just, I, I realized that's not really what I wanted to my wow. life to be. Wow. You know, that's interesting. Um, yeah. Which is kind of, it's like, I remember I would make a joke, but I told somebody, you know, at some point it's like, um, I realized, Hey, I'm married and have a family all of a sudden, you know, <laughs> a lot of people discovered that. Right. You yeah. know, and, uh, I didn't know how to act, you know, it's like, you know, all the, all the things that you could say, all right, well, whatever, I'll be gone in a, you know, in a week. And so I'll just deal with that recharge. Know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, um, and so you're stuck together, not stuck, but I mean, you are literally together in the house, just you and your family. And um, I realized how much I actually liked my husband and my life. And I'm like, you know, I really don't want to go back to being on the road as much as I was. And, um, and I didn't know if that was going to happen. So I started pivoting and doing more uh, consulting and coaching. And yes. I really did that. So, yeah. And it's funny because <clears throat> there are different industries where this happens a lot. And uh, one is, uh, like, say, the military. Uh, I have family members who are in the Navy and they've been gone for the 20 years that they were in. And coming home is the disruption, you yeah. know, and they normally the families fall apart. Also, professional sports. You meet a lot of professional yeah. football players. Like what Tom Brady Stella going through right now, right? Yeah. Um, and you know, it's a little different than their situation. Most times, the husband being at home during football season is a major disruption to the whole family because they built this whole system around Christmas being in February if you're not mm -hmm. playing the Super Bowl per se. Um, and the fact that you uh stayed with your husband and possibly Jasmine for and the cats for that long. And came out of that good because domestic violence was going up, um, even food insecurity. We had some food insecurity, but there were a lot of people whose best meal came at school. And so, you know, one thing that I didn't have a lot of empathy for because I didn't have people in that situation was what the pandemic did to school children. You oh, know? man, man. Especially yeah. if you were a senior, you know, you looked forward to this time. And then now, you it know, dissipated. It, it was gone. Yeah. You spent all your life for that senior year. Yeah. And the senior year, what most people don't understand, and I found this out the hard way because uh, we homeschooled. Uh -huh. And when our daughter got to college, she was telling us that she didn't have any, her friends had like home homecoming experience, the big rivalry game experience, uh, you know, being a cheerleader, being student bottom president. And she didn't have any of those memories. Oh. And so the, the high school, that three-year period is very integral in your life. And a lot of our kids, they, it, that was just taken from them. Um, you homeschooled all your kids? No, two, two of them. Two right? Of them. But Jasmine, went, she didn't go to high school. And, okay. You know, by the time James got to high school age, our mentors uh, who were teaching us how to create a professional musician says, I asked him, at what point do you get better? He said, when you're in a band every day. And that normally happens at school. So we put right. him back in school. Wow. Based on the lessons that we 
got from oh, what, what, what prompted you to homeschool so from the very beginning um <clears throat> our son started playing drums at three years old and um we take him to kindergarten and you know we were also he knew how to read at three also because we bought a program called hooked on phonics right and um but when he got to kindergarten they weren't reading they were coloring so he would take two unsharpened pencils and beat on the table and the teachers were saying he's disruptive and this, that, and other. Mm-hmm. We were saying, what, you're not engaging these kids. And um, we tested him to go to the first grade. He had to have a 98 percentile. He made 95 percentile. So we decided, you know what? You're not smarter than us. We'll teach him at home. And that was the beginning of our, our homeschooling journey. And then once Jasmine saying it, she's like, I want, I want to, I don't want to go to school either. <laughs> and I think it was one of the best things we did. We did it way prior to the pandemic. We did it when mostly weirdos were doing it. Um, but I still recommend um, parents uh, taking charge of what their kids know and understand and learn, whether it's in school or at home. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah. And so now to that teacher, if we ever see you again, my son is currently somewhere between France and um in uh rome on a cruise playing drums for a living yeah, yeah beating, you know? beating it on the table with with pencils <laughs> yeah that's amazing yeah that's amazing who's he touring with now so he is on a play called man of choir uh on the norwegian cruise lines uh they he left home awesome the, yeah september 10th uh went to tampa for a couple of weeks to rehearse flew to marseille france and rehearsed there for a couple of weeks and then just this morning, they they left to go to, um, I don't know how to pronounce it, but Cervici, Rome, or something like that. Sound like something to eat. Somewhere in Rome. Okay. Somewhere in Rome. <laughs> yeah. And we're so excited for him because he is yes. you know, living in his uh, his plan. And so let's let's talk about, you know, pandemic. What did he do? Because all of his jobs dried up. Yeah. Churches, um, church gigs, wedding gigs, clubs, nothing. So, yeah. And this is what we found out, you know, if musicians could stay musicians or did they have to go drive for Uber? And basically what we did, my wife and I, is we bought him um, a whole bunch of studio equipment, told him, learn how to program and learn how to record your own drums. So that when you come out of this, you'll have not only drumming skill, you could be a sound man, or you can also record live drums for people. Awesome. Yeah. So you use that time, you know, you, we use the pandemic, now, Tamara, she was in real estate. It took off. So she was she was never not busy. Right. And that's what saved our family, because I went from 100 to zero. Yeah. Make my thing. Um, but with Tamara, real estate took off because all that free money that was in the economy, you know, all those low interest rates for homes, uh, 2.3%, 2.4%. And so she was she was very busy. Now it's what up to six or seven. Yeah. 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 That's insane, isn't it? Yeah. So let me tell you, let me tell you what I tell me and what I gained in the pandemic. I kind of talked yes. a bit about it. I gained a lot of weight in the pandemic. <laughs> uh, I had a lot. I gained a lot and I lost it though. Okay. Then, I'm about then, to say. Then I got some of it back. I, I went and got, I went and yeah, found I'm about to, it back. Yeah. Yeah. You look good. Thank you, sir. Thank you. I, um, you know, the way I was going about business, um, had to change. And I shifted from um, teaching people. I went from doing videos and behind the scenes of music tours, because that all stopped, to uh, consulting on how to set up 
podcast studios and Zoom calls and corporations didn't know how to do lighting. What if, what if we only have a phone, you know, and what are the different levels? What are the procedures? So I went all Brent Leary on them and started writing white papers for companies on how to do, uh, you know, uh, remote working. And so that's what I've been doing. I have a mobile podcast set up that I take to different cities. Uh, I'll be in your city tomorrow. Uh, and I set it up and and we we podcast. So I've been podcasting for a living. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. That's very interesting. Yeah, but come on. I mean, you do a lot, a lot, a lot of crazy. You do a lot, bro. Podcasting, okay, that's great. I'm going to give you that. Okay. But, I mean, you are Super Bowl bound every year for the last, like, I don't know how many years. I remember you were at... Beyonce. That's what I remember. That's it's been a while, right? So you've been doing this. Well, it's you man, know? look, it's this this business <laughs> camera has is got me into places that I never dreamed of, you know, being in, in the you know video production business. But it was a shift <clears throat> probably about five or seven years ago. And so right now I'm here because of relationships. John Lawson, I'm here right now because of relationship. We we understand the important relationships. But what started happening is the cameras got cheaper. The phones got amazing with the camera. Mm -hmm. And so with the, with the, it became very easy to create videos and so content. Yeah. So my, my skill set was not necessarily needed. Mm. Um, Right in the pandemic, I was getting very disillusioned with video. You might remember this conversation because anyone with a smartphone or you you go to weddings and now you have to shoot around a person with that iPad and that iPad footage looks good but it's kind of in the way. So I was transitioning out of video when the pandemic started. But what I learned is, I remember I went to an event, I did an event in, in Atlanta at the um, Mercedes-Benz Bowl for the Celebration Bowl. And the year before, the year prior, I did a, uh, what's my daughter calling? A year prior, I had did a, um, I, I did a uh, video behind the scenes, what I normally do, what you normally see me do. That's normally my way in to any organization. The next year I showed up, there was 20 people doing the same thing. Wow. What there there was not was a person with a mobile podcast booth who can produce at that, the highest level of podcast, podcastery. (laughs) And and, and that's what I said. Okay, well, now I'm not your video guy. I'm going to create this. I'm going to do this event. And so I do a lot of hybrid events where there's a podcast element to it. I just say podcast because that's a word of people. Right. Think. That's what people understand that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so I do a lot of hybrid events where there's people in the room, not in the room, where we're going to play different videos. Um, and so it's, it's more hybrid events is what I do. If I can say that's what I do. Mm, that's OK. That's cool. You got to come up with your own term for that. So so that you can be the it guy for that. Right. You know, and and that's what you do. You create a term, yes, and then you become that guy. Oh, yeah, exactly. Oh, you need this is what I do, and so yes. in the the pandemic, um, I've always had this equipment and this this stuff, but it forced me to formalize it and to create different. When I say packages, I have different. I have four different setups that you know. If I'm doing it here, if I'm mm-hmm. on the road, you know, I even have a. Uh, through your friend Amazon, I order these, uh, what I call uh, uh, throwaway uh, tripods at $20 a piece. And I order them. I don't travel with them. I order them where they are. And when I'm done, I just leave them there. Oh, you know, Just like a throwaway fork, you know? Oh. 
Well, I don't want to. I don't want to travel with all the hardware. I mean, even like this light here. You know, this yeah. light prior to the pandemic was you know three or four hundred dollars. Now they're down to fifty dollars. You know, but it it's magnetic. It just stuck up on a piece of metal right there. You know, USB C charge. It's it, you know everything to create dope content. You don't need the ABC, CBS, or a hundred thousand dollars worth of equipment anymore. Um, you just need what I have. How is how is uh, how is how is that changed business in general? Well, I believe is that you know everybody's remote, so everyone's in the content business now, right? And so everyone's sitting on these Zoom calls every day, and then now people are creating content. A lot of internal podcasting is is going on, and so now I, I believe there's a position for a content uh, director. Where before it was like get you a cameraman. I was in a meeting, um, probably six months ago, with a good friend of mine, Jay Deal, and it was for an event for a guy named Sad Guru. Sad Guru is like this big online Indian guy who gives advice. You know what I'm talking about? No, no, but I'll yeah, find like him now. Seven million followers or something. Yeah. And it was a big deal. He was coming to the United States and I was in on the meeting. And I turned to my guy, Jay, who is a music teacher at USC, toured with Janet Jackson and Snoop and Drew Hill and all these people. I said, when it comes time for me to speak, do not introduce me as a cameraman. He said, okay. And he said, well, after we're meeting, he said, why not? I said, because everyone else in the room had a name, but the cameraman and the photographer, they're nameless. Mm -hmm. They're interchangeable. You know what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah. And so even though people understood or knew video was important, it was just like, let's just grab this cameraman, whoever has the camera. Right. Because if you think about it, you know, when you do a, a movie, it's the director who gets the credit. It's the producer who gets the credit. Yes. Cinematography has some credit, but that person, you don't know who shot your favorite. All the other. Yeah. You know what your spy, favorite Spike Lee movie. I know who his cinematographer is, but most people don't, you know, or, or, or John Lucas, or even Tyler Perry. No one knows who the cameraman is. That's the, that's the guy in the back who's dressed in black, who got on short pants and, and got hair coming out of his ears. And I no longer wanted to be that guy because that's not who I am. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But as the market started shifting and everyone kind of started getting cameras, you know, everyone was a cameraman. So I had to move out of that and become content developer then now everyone's a content creator so i'm no longer that so now mm. I'm a producer of hybrid events and so i have to keep changing the title because once the title becomes popular yes the value goes down yes yes you know i think that is part of the speaker thing for me yeah you know you know that was that's very very uh uh, uh pivotal in my thinking and where, you know, the value of a speaker, what you're saying, what you're, what you're so or saw with the, you know, phone cameras getting better. Yeah. I saw with, you know, PowerPoint and um, those kind of things getting better. So everybody now is a motivational speaker. Cause I remember uh, the story you yeah. told me about when you first started, it was, you had to be in that space and then have the opportunity. Right. Right. And now people with technology, and I'm not mad, they can create their own opportunities. Yes. Um, and so now, you know, what's the value of someone? When someone tells me they're a motivational speaker, I'm like, okay. okay. Yeah, okay. You're not John Lawson. You're not an international keynote speaker. I like that. Yeah. 
Unless, yeah. Like you're not just going to Mexico. You're like, you're going to Gold Coast, you know what I'm saying? Go to Malaysia, exactly. you know? So, yeah. I mean, and, and that is the, that I, I love, but again, it takes a lot of time. Yes. You know, I mean, you get on a 15 hour, 22 hour flight both ways. That's two days. Plus you need to rest at least a day on either side. It was, a, you know, it's always a week. But that's why I knew that life. you were really about that life. Right. Because we um, we people see us on stage. They see you on stage. They see me maybe at the Super Bowl or at the Emmys or the Grammys. Um, but I remember going to the Soul Train Awards and I took my wife and uh, it was 15, 16 hour work days. Yeah. People you know, don't get it. It was, and as my, as I age, as I get older, as my knees get older, like we have a cameraman that we use within the uh, organization uh, that I work with is winning all these Emmys and stuff. And he's 32 years old. And I just sit back and watch him maneuver his body into positions that they would have to call an ambulance for, or at least three big men to pick me up. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not exactly. like, look, look, getting down is fine. I'll get down there. Yeah. Who's going to help me up? Hey, look, man, go back and watch Tom Brady in the game yesterday. And the really? second last play when he linked, when he did the kneel down, uh-huh. he was taking that knee. He was shaking going down on that one knee. Like that was not his, not the move he wanted to make. And since the referees and the other players have such respect for him, mm-hmm. they didn't push the line. Like in another right. game watching where they were, they were still trying to get to the quarterback. They were down by 20 and they were still trying to get to him. Yeah. Right. I think it was the Atlanta game. I got to check it out. No, the Atlanta game was the, that's who the Tampa Bay played, right? Yes. Tampa Bay did play Atlanta. Yeah. There was another game where they were, they had to throw a penalty, but with, with old, old Tom, no one wants to kill the national treasure. You know what I'm saying? Right, right, right. But he, when he gets sacked, it's, it, you got to think, you may like, oh my God. Now watch Lamar Jackson, you know, since he's a running quarterback, they were slinging him around, but he was running up the middle and everything. He, he don't get the same time Brady treatment because of them young knees. And I said all that to say, it was a guy that we use named Richie, he is an amazing um, video director, producer, cameraman. And what I learned, man, is truthfully, there are these people who have come along who are a lot better than me mm-hmm. on the work. Yeah. Yeah, right? yeah. Um, they don't have the uh, the wisdom or the the understanding, um, but the work uh, is great. My daughter is one of them. She hires her own crews because she says I have what she calls the old Negro eye when I shoot. Oh my god! Right, and let me explain what the old Negro eye is. Oh. I mean, I, I'm more about reality documentary. So what I see, I shoot, and I try to put you back in this space, in this room to see what I see. That's my interpretation. Well, the younger people are about fantasy. If you look at Netflix and just watch a movie, there's probably 80 to 90% more drone shots than there were just five years ago. Hmm. And all these documentaries are using these wonderful cinematographic drone shots and these these multi-layered shots because they're getting these pretty pictures. They're creating a fantasy. And then when you go visit that place, it don't look nothing like the video, mm. right? I'm I'm with the old Negro eye. I want to I want you to walk into that space that I shot and say, man, this look just like Troy shot it. <laughs> that's not what was popular among the, the the consumers, which are the millennials. They want the fantasy. Mm-hmm. 
I'm not photoshopping my gut. Now I'm gonna hide my gut. I'm gonna put it up under the table. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I'm not. I'm not coloring my grays. Uh, this is what you get. So when I show up, I look like wow. who I said I look like. Whereas wow. the young people are editing their their life. They have no bad pictures. I love sharing bad pictures of my children because they do exist. Now bad pictures get deleted. Wow. I have a dope bad picture. From when I was in the fourth grade, I had an Afro that was symmetrical, right? And between my mom combing it and me getting to school, and it was asymmetrical, full of grass stains because I was playing football. And they still took the picture, right? Didn't no even give you the time to clean it up. Well, you know, the, the you know this is a whole other subject, but the people who were taking the pictures back then were- Yeah, of course. Not black. And yeah, so they, you, remember, you remember the comb? Do you remember the comb? Oh my God. Yeah, that comb wasn't for me. It was you trying to kill me. It was you a gotta be old. It was That's a, an old slave thing right there, bro. Yeah. They put you in the chairs, like give you this comb, be like, what am I gonna do with this comb? No. A white person comb. Can't no. do nothing with that. Put my fro. I'm, I'm in here crying. My, my scalp is bleeding because you you trying to pick my man. Don't don't get me That's started. That's too funny. When I first moved to Texas, my mother dropped me off in supercuts. And I've never let her tell me what to do with my hair again. I was 15 years old and, and you took this black head. I had hair. I had a full Afro and the poor, the poor women in there super because they tried to cut my Afro man. And it, you know, they didn't know how they had to comb it all out to the same length. They were just cutting it how they seen it. Oh. You know? So, yeah. So what is, so, okay. With your, with your um, old Negro eyes. Mm -hmm. So if, if you're doing content today. Yes. Um, and let's say, you know, you're, you're in business or you're, you're you're doing personal branding stuff, um, not you per se, but I mean, what what is what is your um, advice now for somebody? It, do we need to do a lot more post production to to be attractive to a younger buying audience? I don't believe so. I believe that what's working now hmm. uh, is what you're doing right now. I believe everyone should have a podcast. Whether everyone's stuck on trying to monetize it and have it look a certain way. I'm saying everyone should have a podcast because, and then don't produce it to release the 30 minute version, produce it to release the nuggets. You know what I'm saying? So shoot something this, this, this 30 minutes or hour long. Okay. Go back and have it transcribed. Uh -huh. Look for the, the one to two to three minute nuggets and share those. Okay. And I, and I believe that's to me, that's what corporations and businesses should do is because that's how we're consuming content now. We're con we're consuming it in short. You know, yeah, we're doing the comedy in the skits. Um, but how many times have you clicked on something because Tony Robbins was given, you know, 90 seconds of advice? You know what I'm saying? Or you you click on another video and the guy's telling you how to set your kid up with good credit or how to be better in bed, how to, you know, whatever your thing is, mm -hmm. give it to them in 90 second or less chunks. And then wow. let them go back and find the rest of what you're doing. Will they though? I believe they will because okay. I know that I've been watching. Um, I'll watch a clip. Like yeah. say one of my favorite podcasts is called Pivot, right? And there'll be a clip with say Reggie Bush, and Reggie Bush was talking about what happened to him at USC. And I know that to it's an hour and a half commitment to go watch the whole thing, mm -hmm. but I just grab the three or four pieces that they send and say that they they post first and say, you know what, this is worth it when I'm on a flight, when I can set aside an hour and a half. 
Okay. And that, that's how I select what podcast is going to get downloaded to the iPad for the flight. Good point. Yeah. Good point. Okay. But so look, the smartest one, this one right here, you posted a clip when you first got started. And I was like, I can't wait. And I, in the comments were people saying, can't wait for the whole episode. Can't wait for the whole episode. You posted like a minute or a minute and a half. Right. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. You know, I mean, it's just, I guess this is the way uh, things are consumed today. I mean, content is, is short. Yes. And it, it bugs me sometimes because I, I kind of like diving in a little bit deeper, yeah. but at the same time, I like the idea of doing long format, cutting up and finding the short format stuff, and then still having the long format there for those that want to do the deeper dive. Yeah, man. It's like going to black church, right? You want to go and listen to a three-hour sermon or you want to hear the No, the we still need to work on the black church. <laughs> go we need the 90-second black church. Look, I'm telling you right church. now, you go out there and buy the URL, 90-second black church. Amen. You will be the biggest church. <laughs> look, man, look, I'm seeing pastors who are getting on here, like Pastor Keon, you know, he'll get out there and, and throw something for 30 or 60 seconds. You'll be like, yo. That was powerful. T.D. Jake, same thing, right? And then people are tuning in and listening to the whole service. And then, you right. know, they got about to donate here, right here, you know. Yeah, but if you, you put the whole thing up first, you're going to be out there with three views, you know. Mm -hmm. And so create the relationship in short spurts. You know, it's just like networking. You know what I'm saying? When you go to a networking meeting, what's your elevator speech, you know? Yeah. 30 seconds, 60 seconds. Um, but now you can't be direct and say, Hey, why don't you come do business with me? But when you talk about it, um, and then people resonate with it and then, and then you come back and make the offer later. And that, that's why I think the way content is going, I think too many people are caught up. Now there are a lot of people who are making a lot of money in podcasts and I think that's incredible. Mm -hmm. Right. And so mm -hmm. when I talk to people who want me to produce their podcast, they, the first question they ask, like, how do we get to the money? And I tell them like, consistency is going to be number one, right? Because a lot yeah. of people want to produce one and then they stop. You know what I mean? Projects, we start and stop. Then we watch somebody else monetize it. Like, man, I've been doing that for 17 years or whatever, right? Being consistent with it, right? Um, but then, but also I believe the business comes from when the people see it, then they hire you for whatever it is you really do. So I'm producing a podcast for a law firm right now. He's not asking the questions about how to monetize it because, you know, he got pretty good money, but it's attracting new clients. New people are coming in. Our new suspects are coming into the funnel. Mm. And now you still have to have an offer later on. Um, but that's where I think you make money with podcasts best. And hit the analogy I always use before I have to go on to the next thing. Back when I was a young man in 1849, okay, there was a, a, a gold rush in California. People found gold, right? Lots of it. Now it took three, four, sometimes five months to get from the East Coast to the West Coast because there wasn't no I-35, wasn't no I-20, wasn't no I-30, right? You load up the wagon and you're going West to follow your dream, right? Yeah. Now, you get down there, ain't no discount tire, so you lose a wheel in Oklahoma. You People stayed in Oklahoma. Some people made it as far as Montana. Some people got caught in the winter and didn't make it over the Rockies. And, and, and a lot of them lost their lives. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then for the people who did make it, probably less than 
one half of 1% made any sustainable money. You follow me? Yeah. But guess who made money almost 100% of the time? Uh, the people selling the shovels. Or picks whatever. and the shovels, baby. Right, yeah. Whoever, was selling, whoever yeah. was selling the picks and the shovels, the shovels. made money. Hey, man, you got to sell the dream tools to the dreamer. Let the dreamer dream. And then you sell them the tools that help them reach reach their goal. And so that's, oh, that's I, so good. My perspective for producing podcasts is not for me to make a bunch of money podcasting, which would be great, right? But you know the college kids have no shoes, right? I'm not consistent with my 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 own episodes. I'm consistent with someone else's episodes, right? But provide the tools for the dreamer, the picks and the shovels. So I'm just gonna change my name to Levi Sprouse, baby, because they was making them jeans with the rivets on it. You know what I'm saying? Like, hey man, you wanna you wanna be able to stay in the water all day, panning for this gold? Man, you need to buy these jeans, man. They got rivets on them. So they will last longer. And then 100 years from now, they'd be naming stadiums in San Francisco after us. You know what I'm saying? Wow. All right. Yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to kind of leave you with that. Let me ask you my last question. Then. Hey, man, let's go. All right. So what question did I not ask you that I should have? Uh, you should have asked me, how is my and how was my mental health um, when I was isolated as a person who was normally likes to be around people like yourself? Yeah. Oh, how, okay. how was it not seeing John Lawson and Greg Roberts uh, and Cliff McBean and all my out of town friends uh, yeah. for 18 months? How was it? How did, what did you, how did that happen for you? What, the pandemic. Yeah. Pandemic. Oh, okay. Oh, so during the pandemic, yeah. pandemic, how did you handle your mental health? Um, you know, looking back on it, I uh, just made sure I stayed in touch, even by phone, <clears throat> by video, uh, reached out. And I was less afraid to say things like, I really love you, John Lawson, like in a, a brotherly agape like I view you as a, as an extension of me, a, a brother, like a family member, you know what I'm saying? Because you've come in and you got to know my family. I've come in, I've got to know your family and people like Eric Roberson. I feel the same way about, right. Mm -hmm. My cousin, Adam Blackstone, love more than a brother. And I was less macho about sharing my feelings in a way that as men, we weren't encouraged to, to share um, that, that we really love each other. We miss each other. And, and that's, that's how I handled it. So I became more, um, gushy mushy and, and, and not like, um, something that I would, uh, just hide or not, not share, or just let my actions do talking. I actually talked about it. So I called and say, Hey man, I miss you. You know what I'm saying? It'd be good for me to put my eyes on you or be good to, to talk. And so I, I just put it to the front, you know what I'm saying? So that's how, that's how I was able to get through it. And that helped you. Yes. And I think wow. as the OG, cause they call me OG mm -hmm. Troy it made it okay for, for other men in my circle to do the same thing. Right. Um, right. And I just took the lead in it from, you know, cause the man, my age, we don't do that. The younger kids, the younger people, I watch my son, they do it all the time. Right. But, but not us. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely more reserved. Yeah. Awesome. We, we, do actions. we threw it through actions. Cause every time you came to town, we get right. to Go get something to eat. You know what I'm saying? We shared hotel rooms and on the road. We, you know, we did things that, that good, good friends do. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, uh, absolutely. Other things that people would be like, man, 
why, why would you do that with another dude? Because that's my brother. You know what I'm saying? That. Yeah, they're definitely way more open than we were back in the day. You know? All no, right. No, no, no. They're way less open than we were. Where? Okay. Like, the, like our, our fathers, our fathers, not our fathers, but our fathers, the men who were born in the 40s, uh-huh. they didn't have any emotion, man. They didn't. Yeah, I know. They were stoic. Very. Yeah. Very. Well, I love you, Had John to be. Wilson. Had to be. Yeah. Had to be. Yeah. All right. No, no, no. Wait a second. I love you, what? John Wilson. Whatever, bro. You see, you didn't even say it back. It's not comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> love you back, man. Yay. I got you. I got you. So, so tell the people if they want to follow you, find out more about what you're doing, where do they go to find more about Troy? I'm usually on Facebook, OG Troy Knowles. Uh, Instagram, I am OG Troy Knowles. On Facebook, I'm Troy Knowles OG. Right? Okay. okay. And, um, you know, TroyKnowles.com is, is kind of up and running. I took that down for like a year and a half, but now it's back with accurate information. Man, the cobblers have no shoes. And uh, yeah, or, or hit John up. Hit John up, man, because I value the people I value are people who are friends with John. If you're friends with John and he like you, uh, you get you get extra uh, 100 points. If John don't like you, uh, we, we, we might have some problems. <laughs> yeah, for real, bro. For real. If I don't like you, I ain't giving you nobody's number. <laughs> Amen. All right, Troy. I appreciate you, man. Hang out after uh, this. I'm going to make everybody else leave right now. So thanks for tuning in, guys. Peace. <laughs>